2: Welcome to The Help Desk for Wednesday, the 31st of March. I'm Tess Bennett.
1: And I'm Peter Wells.
2: Today, we're joined on the podcast by a guest who's been leading a double life online. She's normally somewhere around the globe reporting for Australia's longest running international current affairs and documentary TV program, Dateline. But Callista Weitenberg leaned into the weirdness of 2020 and created a fake Instagram persona called Mia Wild. AKA That Coastal Girl, all in the name of uncovering exactly how the influencer economy operates. The series is running on SBS's The Feed over the next few weeks. But, Callie, how did you get this idea past your bosses?
0: (laughs) Surprisingly, very easily. Um, I mean, if you put yourself out there, I, I think the feed is very up for unusual experiments in the name of good journalism or interesting journalism and interesting TV. So it was. It was pretty uh, pretty easy, but I mean, it's something that we've all seen happening, I think, before our eyes, uh, but maybe haven't paid any conscious attentions to, which is just the explosion of advertising on our social media feeds. And I mean, I think, you know, two years ago, I lost my faith in Instagram and social media and I, and it was due to this. I mean, everybody now is selling me things on the platform whether overtly like influencers spruiking products or a little bit more subconsciously like your best mates and things who are kind of reflecting advertising culture now. And I think all of that, everybody recognizes that when you mention it, it's like, yeah, I have seen this shift take place on the space, but why? And what is behind that? And I think no one's really ever paid any real attention to just how much money there is in this space now when it comes to advertising And just how big the influencer advertising world is, you know, becoming and where it's heading. I mean, this is sold as the future of advertising. It's where brands are putting their money because they get better payoff. I mean, it's less overt than your TV or radio ads and people blindly and, you know, they just accept it. So um, when I mentioned that to, to the boss and, you know, everybody can relate, everybody can see that, um, but no one's really looked at it before. So it was a no, it was a no brainer.
1: So I've seen the, the first two episodes now that have screened on SBS. And in the very first episode, you spoke to a, a, you spoke to an influencer who at the height of her fame walked away from the scene. What does a retired influencer do?
0: So she's actually um, a teacher now, and we would have really loved to have filmed with her. She's teaching in sort of preschools, so with young kids under the age of five. So, I mean, we would have loved to have shown that in the story, but because they're such little kids and it's a school, we couldn't get our cameras in there. But yeah, so she's completely left the game, has no longer got any social media accounts. Uh, She has been doing a little bit of blogging on a website looking at all things from Marx to the fall of capitalism she's gone very deep on sort of all these other ideas which is fascinating and time another podcast potentially but um yeah and then for her day job her nine to five for cash she's now a, a, a teacher
2: and so last week you also bought 2500 followers for like 25 bucks that sounds like a pretty good deal it, it's shockingly. Cheap, right? I mean, uh, it just goes to show how easy it is,
0: common it is to kind of fudge the numbers and how, you know, when you look at follow counts on people's social media feeds or social media accounts, just how empty these are. I mean, one company we spoke to in last week's episode said that around 25% of all of Australian influencer accounts are suspicious, meaning they have at some point potentially faked their follow numbers, their like numbers, or their engagement numbers. So I mean, yeah, I mean, and when you find the price for these things, 25 bucks, why wouldn't you just kind of chuck a few extra fake followers in there? And it's funny, because the brands try to tell us that the numbers on these things don't really matter. But they do, because as, you know, Instagram users, the entire time we've been airing this series, people have been contacting us going, wow, look at your Kind of low account, it's up to say 30,000. That's incredible. Guys, this is all fake. We've bought every single one of our followers. I mean, <laughs> not every single one, but mostly, and I'd say 90%. It's all just smoke and mirrors, really. Most people and all the industry players, from the regulators to government to the tech platforms themselves, really haven't been asked these questions in Australia and so when we were trying to find these answers around how things are working why are they working that way what are you doing to kind of fix these problems there were, there were questions that no one's actually really sat down to even consider yet so that kind of mm. where it's an interesting time because I don't think the space is even there yet to consider these questions and that's the whole point of this story is like hang on a minute you're selling me this $15 billion industry, right? And everyone's making heaps of cash off it at the moment. And there's all these holes in this game right now and possible consequences of that, but nobody yet is thinking about that or the people that should be thinking about that aren't. It's definitely a a space that's going to keep evolving and there'll be so much more kind of to come out of it as it goes.
1: Yeah, we don't really have any rules like the FCC, do we? Where um, you have to acknowledge if you're in a sponsored video role.
0: and overseas, you know, these are spaces that people are looking at how to regulate. They're addressing those questions already, however flawed they are or imperfect, but we aren't even at that stage yet, you know, like it's just kind of a, oh, that's too hot, somewhere down the line. But, yeah. you know, the impacts of that are happening now and so that's why we sort of need to be thinking about it.
1: Is there a bit of a tipping point when, you know, you, you purchase 10,000 followers and then because of that people think that you must be important and then you, you'll get a bit of a snowball effect?
0: Yes and no. So yes, most. it's been fascinating to see what happens now that the story's airing. For the course of the first couple of eps and including tonight's episode three, we played it pretty safe. I mean, we, we bought around 2,000 fake followers to start and that was a conscious decision because we know that the platform are cracking down on these types of activities or at least we're told that. So we were never sure in the course of this experiment at any point, we could have had the rug pulled from under our feet. And if Instagram was doing their due diligence, and doing as they say they do, we could end up, you know, either losing the account or being shadow banned, in which case the experiment was null and void. So we're kind of always tiptoeing and treading that fine line. Ultimately, as the experiment shows, none of that ever happened. And it's kind of free game, like go, go as hard as you want. And I mean, we ended up buying a ridiculous number of followers just to see how far we could actually take it and it's still live and it's still running and people are still messaging us but to your question around uh, followers and and sort of regular people and users of Instagram yes there is a tipping point in terms of influence there and that's the whole point I mean the more followers we get there these are the things that they pick up on the first thing they see when they come to your account is oh my god she's got 30 or 40 K followers. Now that's incredible. Like she's made it. It doesn't matter that they've all been faked. Did you
2: get any good free stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Mostly I, want to know. Depends,
0: <laughs> depends what you call free stuff. Um, I got some, you know, coconut yogurt, coconut water, underpants, fake eyelashes. I mean, these are all things that I don't think are necessarily that great, but I mean, somebody else out there might think they're, they're pretty cool. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can't feed yourself with a sports G-string. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's where I call, <laughs> that's what I say, it's uh, not really great. Great spawn card. Back to,
1: back to the fake followers thing. There's, on the one hand, there's supposed to be Instagram cracking down on this. On the other hand, you talk to brands and marketers that say, no, no, we all it all of the people that we, we pay for. So we don't let these people with fake followers get through, but you, that's not the case for you.
0: No. I mean, so that was the, at the heart of this whole experiment was, you know, it's very simple. Can we fake an account to ultimately get sponsored content and see how it all works? And The very interesting thing to cap here is that around the growth of influencers and their platforms is this entire industry now that's sort of shaped around it. So these include agencies or tech platforms that now help facilitate the arrangements between brands and and influencers, and they take a little piece of that pie. So for us, in terms of the experiment, we were like, all right, how do we get SponCon? Well, the quickest and fastest way to do that is to get signed with one of these tech platforms or agencies to get that connection and link to brands. That means that we can then be approached by brands and we can also approach brands. Yeah, I mean, we signed up, we tried multiple different agencies. They all say that they vet the accounts that they sign. So we, again, it was potluck. We had no idea if we would make it or not. And the end result was that we managed to sign with one a very big platform uh, who works with lots of major Australian brands. We did make it through that platform, despite them saying uh, very clearly that they do vet their followers. Uh, so that raises a whole bunch of different questions then around the validity and authenticity of the influences on that platform. And I mean, these are questions that if you stick with the series, we do ultimately put to the platform. And yeah, it's a tricky question for them to answer. And so... Did you spend six months doing this? Pretty much. I mean, we started this, the first conversation happened in August of last year. So at this point
2: I've lost track how many months it is, probably more. So leading a double life, um, is there, and an influencer double life, uh, did it kind of warp your brain in any way? Like, did you start narrating things in the influencer voice or like get hooked on the numbers or things like that? It warped my
0: brain in so many different levels and I think people like even though I'm a journalist and we're doing this with an obvious experiment in mind it it still impacts me as a sort of user of the platform I still use social media myself so it, it, it walked it on multiple levels one it's the constant pressure to have to be posting every day and that was something we we realized very quickly I mean at the outset when we made this idea we had this naive expectation that we could shoot a bunch of content in a couple of weeks in the end of 2019 load them all up on a platform and sort of drip feed them automatically to a, to the account and you know hands off walk away that's great we're done and like let it sort of run how stupid that was I mean anybody that's an influencer these days would have just been like right oh good luck like this is going to fail within the first week and it did because nowadays you have to make stories <clears throat> you have to go live you have to make reels like it's the level of the, the amount of content and the quality of content you have to make these days is extraordinary. So, just trying to keep up with that beast was really stressful and anxiety inducing because I ultimately wanted the experiment <clears throat> to work. So, funnily, you kind of end up in the very same situation as an influencer trying to do it genuinely, um, mm. which is that you want to get followers, you want to get those likes and engagement. We were trying to do that authentically at the start we were trying to build the account organically so that stress every day you're just thinking how do I make new content how do I make it different to what I did yesterday how do I do it quickly so that I'm not spending hours sitting here trying to make a real because I've got to go off and live my real life you know and I've got a partner here who is you know equally exasperated by this whole project because he's <laughs> like you know this is meant to be a joke but you're ultimately being sucked in so mm. who's who's really who's the joke really on But secondary to that is the whole world of wellness influences, which was the sphere and niche we chose very specifically because it's very brand friendly and there's a lot of brands that can piggyback off of it. So we decided to create our character in that space with that niche and just following. So when we started the account, we followed as many wellness influences as we could in Australia um, to copy their accounts and copy their content and just... The nature of consuming that content every day, nine to five, through Mia's platform, was really confronting because you notice the cliches, you notice the double speak a little bit that happens on the platform, and how that would impact your mental health. And playing into those stereotypes, I found really confronting because to me, it was an element of gaslighting. I mean, you're taking pictures that you're posing to perfection or bring out imperfections, and then crafting. Uh, captions that say the opposite, that say you are relatable, that say you are imperfect and flawed and struggling, you know. But so I think that um, to me, it's like a level of gaslighting where the follower is sort of being told one thing, but the pictures they're seeing is telling them a totally different reason that ultimately make them feel terrible. I mean, make them feel like their lives are not perfect and make them feel like they're, mm-hmm. you know, not keeping up. So I, that also impacted me because as a user, I'm my life isn't perfect. My life is very different to me as I, you know, have the same personal insecurities as anybody else. And so watching all of that content daily and then trying to feed that same beast, I found it really irksome. And ultimately I think it's completely killed the power of the beast really for me because I see the game, I see how repetitive it is, I see how just how cliche everything is on the platform. And the best way to circumvent that is to unfollow and get off.
1: So you you were actually playing a character. So in some ways you could kind of divorce yourself from how weird the whole situation was. But do you think that um, having lived the experience now, do you think that that is kind of a natural survival instinct for, for some of these people who are doing this, that they need to see the person on the Instagram screen as a character that is completely separate to their own real life or they would just lose their mind?
0: I mean, I can't speak for them, but I think to some level, yes. And those that do it successfully, I think, have the ability to compartmentalise like that. I mean, one influencer we spoke to, Maddie Joy Bocket, who's very young, she's in her early 20s, she, but she's very successful at doing this influencing and, and uh, especially when it comes to sponsored content she runs it very much like a business and she she just goes out, snaps pictures off. Like there's no time to really think about it beyond what it is, which is a way to get money. So I think, yeah, maybe those that do it successfully are able to think of it like that and think of themselves in that sort of removed character sort of aspect. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, what was interesting is you see a lot of people in this world in the wellness sphere posting intermittently about having to get off the media uh, get off social media having to take a break because of stress or anxiety and I think many of them struggle way more than they let on with the nature of this work and this job and after doing it myself there's no surprise there as to why one influencer actually that I follow and who we interacted with a few times before we ended the pro, like before we revealed she kind of posted she had a lock jaw from stress like that is how extreme some of these, the impacts of these, uh, of this pat- platform and this lifestyle and job is for these influencers.
1: Yeah, uh, I can't imagine. Like, where the hell do you get your downtime if, if you're? You
0: really don't. I mean, maybe yeah. you got downtime a couple of years ago, but nowadays there is, there's no such thing as downtime because your downtime is Instagram stories. It's your downtime is now the platform to sell something, you know, it's the downtime. It's now time to tell, sell your your relaxing
2: evening tea. I mean, there's never <laughs> a time to clock off. So are there any lessons or habits from your career as an influencer that you think you'll hold on to and, and take into your real life?
0: Oh, um, I think, I mean, lots of lessons of what not to do. So, I mean, I, like I said, the the power and potency of Instagram has completely been killed for me i've seen oz behind the curtain in the wizard of oz sort of moving the machinery and the magic is no longer there so that the hold on me is no longer there and i have found it much easier now to remove myself from instagram remove myself from social media because i know how it works and because i know it's not as glamorous as it as it seems but i guess the other flip side to that and the great irony is that i've also learned now the power of instagram in terms of spruking yourself and getting stuff out there and I think as a journalist inevitably the catch-22 is I have to engage <laughs> with these platforms to be mm. able to reach the people I want to reach to tell the stories I want to tell so maybe I take one or two tips away on how to um myself better on Instagram and get my stories out there
1: yeah and and do, does it make you question at all your own your own relationship with social media because I know I know there are the days where like I'll, I'll post something to Twitter and and then like six hours later I'll look at it and go Hey, that was really funny. Why did I only get three likes? And and I and then I sit there thinking, like, why does that matter? Like, why? And you know, it it completely when when you think about it too much, it really does uh, make you wonder what the hell we're doing to our brains.
0: Oh yeah, if, I mean, we're all human. We all want validation. And <laughs> at some point, you know, confirmation that we're a worthy human being and we're not just wafting around in the ether aimlessly until we die. So I think you know, <laughs> everybody's looking for some kind of confirmation or validation on the platform, whether you are conscious of the fact that it's all a sham and that you should ultimately shut it down or not. So, yeah, I mean, the great takeaway, and I kind of write this in a blog that I think will be published soon, is just the disconnect between me creating Mia's life and how great it was during a pandemic, when I was really personally struggling with all of the impacts of that pandemic, like everybody else, I suffer from depression, and anxiety, I see therapists for that, not nearly enough. And so I'm in that pandemic, me as Callie, kind of dealing with all of those impacts, struggling, working from home, my job's completely turned on its head, you know, the stress of that. And then I'm posting Mia's life, which is completely ridiculous and a farce and perfect. And she's great. <laughs> Um, And I guess that disconnect and just how wildly removed they were from each other and the reality that I was living completely just, that's what I mean when I say the power and potency of this platform is now killed for me because normally I would log on to the social media during the pandemic. I'd be, end of the day, I'd log on, scroll through my feed and see other people kind of still managing to to do their job or managing to find positives. And I was just like, I feel shit right now. You know, this is horrible. And I guess it's made me realise just how empty it is to kind of value that. And none of this is surprising. None of this is new necessarily. Everybody knows this, but we never consciously are acknowledging that and we give in to the myth of social media daily, hourly, minute by minute, and we don't pull ourselves out of that nearly enough. So hopefully this experiment sort of reiterates that message and shows people that, you know, you do have power to pluck off and you do have power to ask questions around what you're seeing on the platform. And if that's when it comes to advertising, we need to be taking it a lot more seriously than I think we have been to date. Because yeah, there are many impacts from that.
1: Can I ask one final question? I know we're we're pushing time here, but so you you've chatted to the uh, the classic Instagram boyfriend, the guy who holds the camera for for the model. Did you do you speak to an uh, an influencer widow at all? Anyone who had their either the best friend or partner taken away from them because they spend so much time creating this fake life that...
0: Oh, an interesting idea. No, I didn't. Maybe I need to talk to my own partner though, because he essentially was taken away from his own partner for a few months um, in the course of doing the experiment but no it's an interesting idea but no we, we don't talk to anybody that fits that brief.
2: Calista Weitenberg is a reporter for SBS you can catch her full series like subscribe follow 10 p.m Tuesdays on the feed or anytime on SBS on demand. Callie thank you for giving That's us okay. the behind the scenes. Yeah. No, thank you. It's been a wild
0: journey. Quote the name of the pseudonym of my account, Mia Wild. Um, and no, it's been fascinating. So hopefully people can, you know, learn a few things from it and take something meaningful, take some control back in their mm. lives when it comes to social media.
1: I really loved the first two episodes. And um, and thankfully, uh, social media, YouTube, fed it to me in the algorithm. So everything is right with the world. <laughs>
0: Yes, that's the great irony. I'm still out there using it to spruik the show. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. See you later. (laughs) See ya.